It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, Adrian Wojnarowski drops a whole lot of names in his piece on Toronto Raptors head coaching candidates. We'll dig into Becky Hammond, Kenny Atkinson, Charles Lee, Chris Quinn, and so many more. Plus, what are the three questions that any Raptors interviewee is going to have to nail in their interview to actually get the job? We'll get into that on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1392 of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is April the 28th of Friday, baby, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter, at WoodleySean. You can go and follow the show on Instagram, Locked On Raptors, and most importantly, Join the link in the description to be part of our Discord community. Lots of great stuff going on in the Locked On Raptors Discord chat. Some truly unhinged fake trade ideas going on in our Fake Trade Sickos channel. That's just reason enough to join on in there. But there's also, you know, playoff talk, general Raptors chat. That's where you get mailbag questions directly to me. That's the guaranteed way to get your questions on the show. Join the Discord community. It's a ton of fun. And I think the next person in there will be the 50th person to join. Uh, There may be some confetti that falls from the sky wherever you are, whenever you hit that link. Uh, So please go ahead and do that. You can also go and subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. And uh, please be sure to go back. And check the earlier episodes this week as we dug into player reviews for Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and Fred Van Vliet, among other stuff, over on the Locked On Raptors YouTube channel. Plus, we've got, of course, the first episode of Ranking Every Raptor. The second one will drop next week. I meant to do two this week, uh, but... I'm not going to bore you with my last couple of nights. Just imagine the episode of Friends where Phoebe Buffay is uh, dealing with a fire alarm. Just imagine that, but for two nights with multiple fire alarms. Anyway, uh, we'll get to the Ranking Every Raptor Part 2 next week and get a couple of episodes in on that on the YouTube channel. All right, without further ado, enough about my boring personal life. Let's get into... Today's show, where we're talking coaching candidates, baby. We love those name drops, the list of a dozen names or so from Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, a lot of whom we've heard of, some of them, you know, you kind of heard in passing, some of them you've read about in past stories, particularly Kevin Arnovitz, former ESPN NBA writer, who I think has just retired from the game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, missing Kevin's writing because he's very good at it, and every year he had the annual coaching prospects piece where he looked around the league at potential head coaching candidates. And a lot of those names from 2022's list are featured on Adrian Wojnarowski's list of uh, reported 
people who are going to get into interviewed by the Toronto Raptors for their job. We're going to dig in on this show to Becky Hammond, Chris Quinn, Charles Lee, Kenny Atkinson, Kevin Young, bunch of the other names that were mentioned in that piece, uh, some that I think uh, are sort of maybe a little more intriguing than others, big, bigger track records, that type of stuff. We'll get to that in segments two and three. But off the top, I kind of just want to dive in now. You know, we've been talking a lot about end of season stuff, the decision to let go of Nick Nurse last week. We haven't done a ton of looking at what the next coach should be bringing to the Toronto Raptors. And ultimately, I kind of think there are three questions that are out there that the whoever is interviewing for this job is going to have to answer very, very well in order to be the right person for the job. I'll get to those questions in a sec. But before I do any of that, I just want to sort of preface all of this by saying coaching is a black box. It's very hard to know anything when it comes to coaching, what coaches are going to do once they're in the role. I think, uh, you know, it's sort of a situation where you almost don't know exactly how someone's going to handle the job until they're given it, which makes the hiring very dangerous, potentially risky, very hard to sort of parse and figure out. Obviously, past experience helps inform whatever a coach is going to be. You know, maybe they've had head coaching experience, whether in the case of Becky Hammond in the WNBA, case of a couple others in the G League, that type of thing. Um, But it is a really hard thing to know. Nate Bjorkren, hired by the Pacers. Look at this whiz kid. Nick Nurse, the tree is growing, all of this. And then he was just completely incapable of doing the job of leading a locker room over the course of an 82-game season. It's not just... X's and O's. It's not just being a warm, friendly vibes person either. It really is an amalgamation of a lot of stuff. It's not, you know, you can't just jump from being a good assistant to being a head coach necessarily. There is a totally different set of skills at play in both of those positions. And so that's, I think, the most important thing here is interviews are going to happen Always know that whatever the Raptors are, and I don't love just being like, well, just trust what the team says. But in this case, like, they will have the intel. They will have the conversations with these coaches. They will have a little more insight as to what they do with their current clubs than we can possibly have. Because it's impossible, really, to know exactly day to day. All right, what's Charles Lee doing within the Bucks every single day? There are pieces out there that are interesting, that kind of inform, you know, what their philosophies might be. And we'll get into some of that on today's show, but it's really hard to know. And so I think just sort of accepting that it is a bit of an unknowable thing. It is a bit of a black box. That's an important thing to have going in here. And I I just, anyone who comes in is like, that's the wrong hire for the team. That's wrong for this reason. Most of the time, I don't know if all of those sort of opinions will be super founded. And I really think it's, uh, you know, we got to wait and see what happens whenever whoever the Raptors hire is in the job. How do they handle it when they're in the job? And that's when we'll probably really know if they're cut out for it, which is a bit of a scary proposition, of course. But that's just NBA coaching in a nutshell. Ultimately, like I said... There are three questions that any interviewee is going to have to nail uh, whenever they're asked in an interview with the Raptors, Um, you know, and really they come down to these three things. There's more stuff, obviously. These aren't just going to be three question interviews in and out, done, all right, good answers, let's hire you now. Um, But these three questions, if someone isn't prepared with a really good answer to them, then they're probably not the right fit with this team. Question number one is, what is your vision for Scotty Barnes next season? Three seasons from now, five seasons from now, how do you best weaponize what Scotty Barnes is? How do you overcome his limitations shooting-wise at the moment? How do you best weaponize his 
length and physicality on defense. All of these things are massively important. Whatever the Raptors are doing over the next five years, it's all going to be for naught if Scotty Barnes doesn't develop into the type of player that he has shown in flashes that he can be, that you know got us all extremely excited as a rookie, and for stretches of his second season, where I think on the whole he was probably a more effective and positive basketball player, um, you know, he, he showed us plenty of flashes of that sort of crazy upside as well, those games where he just decides, all right, I'm putting up 38-9 and nine or whatever in this game, and that's just what I'm going to do. He's got that in him. And so how do you get that out of him more? How do you play him off of the strengths and how do you paper over the fit issues that currently exist within this roster? Um, you know, as much as maybe the answer is, hey, let's trade some people and re- reorganize the fit. That's not on the coach. The coach has to kind of do what they can with the pieces available to them. And as we've talked about, I think it's very likely that most of, if not all of the core pieces on this team will be back next year, just because of the very precarious spot the Raptors have put themselves in as far as threading the needle this offseason, three pending UFC, UFAs, it's going to be hard to have tangible, big-time player personnel changes. It's just the way it is. I know everyone's like, well, sign and trades. Eh, sign and trades are like not a guaranteed thing, and it requires incentive both ways. You're not just going to go sign and trade Gary Trent Jr. for a good player and a prospect or something like that, or a good player and a pick. That's just not how this works. And so how do you make work how do you make lemons out of lemonade? How do you take what the Raptors have, this sort of weird roster construction, and make it work around Scotty Barnes, who, again, if he doesn't develop, if you don't make good on the luck you got in the lottery, luck that some teams wait for decades to get, if you can't turn Scotty Barnes into whatever he's going to become and get him to a sort of upper-level outcome for his potential, that's a problem, and you have to have a good plan for how it's all going to work. Number two is how do you restore the culture of cohesion and alignment and togetherness, right? And a few of the people we're going to talk about today uh, have sort of talked about publicly their sort of philosophies being centered around this very thing, togetherness, being on the string. And this, I think, applies to lots of levels of the organization, right? We've seen the G League pipeline kind of diminish. Is it even possible to reestablish that as the league has changed? Everyone knows the G League is a valuable thing. You don't have the advantage of being first anymore, which the Raptors were kind of living off of for a couple years there. Um, So... I think, uh, you know, that that's part of it. The player development. How do you get the pipeline going again? How do you plan to both win and develop young players, which was the thing this team did for like 10 years to great effect? It's really hard to do. It's a high wire act. How does the incoming coach plan to go about reestablishing that culture that Masai Ujiri spoke about being completely absent this year? This was not us. That was his refrain. How do you make the Raptors what the Raptors are supposed to be again, culture-wise and fit and, you know, communication across all, you know, best players, worst players, in-between players, coaching, management. How do you make sure everyone's kind of pulling in the same direction? Because in a league where everyone's talented, there's talent at every roster, if you're not pulling in the same direction, that can be the differentiator between 48 wins and 41 and being in the spot where the Raptors find themselves Right now. And number three is how do you plan to reimagine the Raptors' offense, right? It hasn't featured a lot of imagination. It's featured a lot of read and react. It's featured a lot of guys kind of freelancing and winging it and sizing up mismatches and doing that thing. But there's not been a ton in terms of innovation, in terms of just sort of reimagining the way this team plays offense. And part of that is limitation, right? There's not a ton of spacing on this team. There's very little shooting, not a ton of guard play. There's only so much you can do with an offense around that. But 
I think whoever comes in is going to have to have a really solid idea of like a reimagining of how this all works. How do the pieces on offense fit together with one another? And how do you, because I, you know, ultimately the defensive scheme, while I think a more pared down and conservative scheme would be great as well, I think we saw back part of the season, the Raptors can still, with the defensive talent on the roster they have, could be a very good defensive team, whether they're playing a more aggressive style or a more laid back style. The talent there with Jakob Pertl kind of cleaning up all the messes on the back line, they were the number six defense after the trade. Like, that's that's good, and I think you can build on that. However you play, you know, maybe you can milk a little bit more out of it if you play a more conservative scheme, have Yak be a full-time drop big, that type of stuff. But um, for the most part, I really think this is about offense and trying to reimagine the way they play because it's not had a whole lot of juice really since, like, Chris Finch left. <laughs> sort of, uh, was that middle of the Tampa season when he was out, or was it last year? I honestly can't remember. This, these things all blend together the last three years are a blur but um it's got to be what are you doing with the offense how do you reimagine this how do you uh tailor the strengths of the players on hand how do you overcome the lack of spacing um what are your ideas for that and the answer to that's got to be good we're gonna come back on the other side get into some of the names we're gonna talk charles lee becky hammond uh chris quinn maybe the three that i've kind of pinpointed as my early favorites for the job uh, among those who were listed we'll talk you know obviously other names who weren't in that piece Jerry Stackhouse is a big one who didn't get mentioned notably um, still think he's worth a look you know we'll get to that at another time but as far as the names that were in the piece yesterday Lee Hammond and Quinn really kind of stand out we'll get to those and talk about their philosophies get some thoughts from uh, our pal Karina Mustafa who covers the WNBA wonderfully she sent me some thoughts on Becky Hammond she'll be on at some point probably next week to talk about Hammond uh, either way we'll We'll get to all that in just a sec. Before we get into the coaching candidates, the meet the candidates, if you will, got to tell you about our friends over at Nissan, who once again are bringing you the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week. And it's brought to you by the all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. This week's Player of the Week, again, the Raptors are out, so we're going to go old friends division. And look, Kyle Lowry, baby, back from the grave. He's doing it. He was awesome in Game 3 in particular for Miami in their upset over the Bucks. 15 points, 3 assists, a plus 27. Followed that up with a plus 18. The next time out, he was a plus 1 in the uh, deciding game as well, a game they won by 2 points. Shout out Kyle Lowry, just adding that cushion. Uh, we know Kyle Lowry knows all about cushion. Uh, either way, the Nissan Aria Player of the Week, you know, much like the car itself, Kyle Lowry's bringing brilliantly fierce drives to the bucket. He is elegant in the way he falls on his tuchus and takes those charges. We love ourselves from Kyle Lowry, and we love the 2023 Nissan Aria, which packs you packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Thank you, as always, to the everydayers who are tuning into the show. If you are an everyday listener of the show, let us know in the comments. Love to see you. Uh, you're, you're very wonderful, wonderful people who make me come to work every day. And by come to work, I mean walk through my hallway into my office. Uh, quite the commute. Either way, let's get to some of the names, shall we? And let's start with, again, I think sort of the trio of names that has me most intrigued Obviously, I think these are the names that have been kind of in the pipeline of coaching circles for years now. Becky Hammond, you know, going back all the way, there's a piece that I was looking at this morning all the way from 2015 from Kevin Artovitz outlining Becky Hammond's candidacy as a head coach. It's been eight years now in the pipeline. It feels like it might be Becky Hammond's time. Um, Charles Lee is, you know, if Mike Budenholzer gets let go by the Bucks, maybe he's just the quick hire there. Um, but, you know, he's getting an interview, so that's that's encouraging. And then Chris Quinn with the Heat. Let's start with Charles Lee, shall we? So Charles Lee, 37 years old. He's been basically a Budenholzer uh, associate through his entire eight-year NBA career. He was a college player, played for Bucknell, and then went overseas to play in Europe for a little bit, came back over, joined Bud's staff in Atlanta, and then moved over to uh, the Bucks with Bud Budenholzer when he got hired. And the thing about Charles Lee is it seems like he does check some of those boxes that are going to be essential for whoever the head coach of the Raptors is, specifically when it comes to the second question we talked about off the top, which is the togetherness element of it all. Let's look at this uh, passage here from Mike Vorkanov's piece last year, digging into Charles Lee. They did a 40 under 40 for the NBA at the Athletic Series, where they dug into the 40 people in the league under 40 who are going to shape the future of the league. And Vorkanov wrote this. Uh, asked about his philosophy as a coach, Charles Lee said, daily improvement. How can we make sure that we're just making every day matter? Whether it's on the court, we're going to improve with our skill set, whether it's in the weight room getting stronger, whether it's the diet part of our nutrition, just to help our body be able to recover. Have you just be obsessed again, like daily improvement and not getting bored with the day-to-day improvements? The second part, again, competitiveness. I think that if you can compete at a high level physically, but also the mental side as well, you're going to put yourself in a good position to win a lot of games. And then the third part of my philosophy is just togetherness. How can we come together as a team? How can I, as the head coach, or even as an assistant coach, build relationships where I'm earning their trust, where they will let me coach them. They will allow me to help impart some wisdom to them as basketball players and just admit because I want to see the best for them. Uh, And I think that once players feel that there's a connection and a real genuine relationship, it makes them want to play a little harder for you. Boy, oh boy, does that seem like a thing that was missing from this season with Nick Nurse at the helm. Um, You know, we know Nick Nurse, constant media call-outs, as Gary Trent Jr. noted, call-outs before even hearing them in person, which uh, I would imagine might rub some the wrong way. Um, You know, I feel like this is what you want to hear, togetherness, you know, the idea of competitiveness. I mean, what were the Raptors known for for the entire Larry DeMar era? Trying extremely hard and being a pain in the ass and the competitiveness factor, the sort of effort, the the night to night, like, you know, nothing, if nothing else, you know, the Raptors are going to play really hard. That was missing this year. I'm encouraged by that sort of philosophy as outlined by Charles Lee um, as to sort of how he views things. So that, there's that. That's 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 good stuff. You know, he's in the, the coaching carousel conversation for a reason, it seems. Um, and uh, that's that's promising stuff. Becky Hammond. Let's talk Becky Hammond. Of course, just won the WNBA championship with the Las Vegas Aces in her first year as the head coach there. Was a longtime pop disciple over with the Sacramento Kings, or sorry, Sacramento Kings, the San Antonio Spurs. And again, like I mentioned, has been, it's almost been a decade of will Becky Hammond get a shot 
in the NBA, and maybe this is the time. I, I know there's this sort of thought, this sort of, and like I think it's fair because I think the way Becky Hammond has been involved in coaching searches in the past, a lot of it has felt a little bit just like, well, we can say we did an interview and it's good PR for us, and I, and I, you know, that doesn't cut it anymore, right? Like that, you, it's kind of you can see through it. This, to me, I don't know if I feel like this is some, like, token we're going to go have an interview with Becky Hammond. Like, she's a successful head coach. She just won a championship. Uh, Everyone glows about what Becky Hammond brings to the table when you read about her. Like, of course she would be a wonderful candidate to go and interview for this job. Will she get it? I don't know. If she doesn't get it, does it mean that it was tokenism? I don't know how to answer that. I can't speak to what's going on in the internal processes within the the, the Raptors front office, but it, they don't strike me as the type of team that's just going to go do some sort of token interview for the sake of PR. Um, you know, this is a franchise that has hired women into important positions for years now, and so I don't think this is a, a big veer away from their typical philosophy. Um, there's a really interesting piece uh, from 2015, like I mentioned, from Kevin Arnovitz looking at Becky Hammond as a potential head coach candidate. And I think this passage really resonates with me. And it is this. Diversity of experience is important as diversity of identity. This was consistently identified as Hammond's strongest asset by decision makers, wrote Arnovitz. Though she went undrafted, she scrapped to build a solid 16-season career with the WNBA in New York and San Antonio, then played at the highest level of international competition. Then, of course, she was it was her matriculation at Spurs U, good word, Arnovitz ass word. After wrapping up her playing career, Hammond was given broad access to the Spurs coaching staff during the 2013-14 season. She sat in on coaches' meetings, according to Popovich, and it was even invited during uh, to argue during the Spurs' legendary debates for some of the finest spitballing and bantering in basketball is conducted. Collaboration is a hallmark of Popovich and oppor- the opportunity and expectation that continues to sharpen a coach's outlook on the game. But I, the diversity of experience is important as diversity of identity thing is really, I think, an interesting thing here. This is going to come into play as well with Darko Ryakovich. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The assistant from Memphis who, you know, played overseas, is from Serbia, uh, has a bit of a sort of different background. This also applies to Jordi Fernandez uh, we'll get to in a sec as well. Um, but that diversity of experience is pretty intriguing to me. It's just like a, a thing that I think informs good coaches. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about this with Ryan Schmidt, who used to be a head coach for the Hamilton Honey Badgers, is now the head coach for the London Lions, uh, the team owned by OG Ananobi, by the way. Maybe Ryan Schmidt's a stealth candidate. Let's see. Uh, part owned by OG. Um, but Ryan Schmidt, in my conversations with him when he was with the Hamilton Honey Badgers of the CEBL, he's a former 905 assistant as well. Um, you know, I seem to recall just his valuing of the idea of differing experiences and how all of that informs who you are as a head coach. And Jordi Fernandez, the San Anto- or sorry, Sacramento Kings assistant, uh, lead assistant there, who's also listed by Woj as a, someone who might get interviewed here, also talks about kind of having a philosophy of, you know what, like, I like other sports too. Pep Guardiola, for example, is like a soccer manager I really respect, who I take a lot of influence from. You know, all these different sports, yes, like there's there's different elements to them, not the same sport, but a lot of them are pretty similar in principle. Find space to make athletes do big, cool things is kind of the uh, the baseline explanation of any sport. And so I think the idea of like sort of using different influences, having different experiences, playing within the women's game in the case of Becky Hammond, um, all of that I think can inform and make a really, really uh, sort of complete coaching prospect. Again, all of this is hard to know. And so I'm just spitballing a little bit here. But um, that's what intrigues me about Hammond. And as Karina Mustafa, our pal, who will be on the podcast sometime soon to talk about Becky Hammond at more length, 
she kind of noted uh, big strength of Becky Hammond is like she's firm with players, but also friendly with them and ha- kind of finds a good way to find that balance, takes part in lots of team activities, stuff like that. And she mentioned her relationship with Kelsey Plum, the superstar guard for the Aces, and her sort of work with guards. Um, obviously, the Raptors don't have a ton of guards, but they do have Scotty Barnes, who fancies himself a guard, it seems. I wonder if maybe that's a, a bit of an interesting match philosophically as well. Uh, the other sort of leading candidate, I think, before we move on here, is Chris Quinn with the Miami Heat. He seems to be constantly interviewed. And if ever you've watched a Miami Heat game and are like, who's that little diminutive guy who's like very much as involved as Eric Spolster on the sidelines? That's Chris Quinn. Uh, you would have seen him very much in the mix during Game 5 a couple nights ago against the Bucks. This is also from last year's Kevin Arnovitz coaching uh, prospects piece. Quinn is a point guard's point guard who has excelled at every task en route to the lead assistance chair in Miami. Ask Heat Insiders who most embodies the team's culture, and Quinn is commonly the answer. One league source affectionately referred to Quinn as Spolstra's mini-me for his temperament and organizational skills. He's an emotionally stable leader who inspires confidence in players, as revealed when he filled in for Spolstra as head coach for a stint in March and April last season. Quinn received his first interview for a head coach job with Indiana 2020, and Washington gave him a look in 2021. Um, sounds like he's going to be in a lot of these conversations this year, and uh, truthfully, the idea of getting someone who's just spent time soaking up Eric Spolstra's genius by osmosis sounds pretty good to me. Uh, that sounds like a coach who you might want to have because Eric Spolstra is the best coach in basketball. I don't think that's really even a question anymore. He's incredible at what he does. That is a player development pipeline. Imagine the Raptors had the success with like undrafted end-of-bench guys the way the Heat have had. Yes, the Heat have had to over-rely on those guys, but that's a roster thing more than anything else and an injury thing. Um, but the fact that they've developed Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent and Orlando Robinson seems like he's the next one here. Uh, you know, there's lots of guys who have come through, of course, um, who the Heat have really, you know, sort of turned what was the biggest weakness for the Raptors last year, end of bench depth, and have turned that into just like a pipeline down in Miami. And Chris Quinn clearly has been a big part of that. He himself was an NBA player, you know, played for the Heat back in the mid-2000s and, uh, you know, had a, had himself a bit of a career there. It was a bit of a development story for the Heat as well. So intrigued by Chris Quinn. We'll get to more of the other candidates in just a second here. Around out the show. Before we go ahead and do that, got to tell you about a couple of our sponsors today. Today's show is brought to you by Better Help. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want and why we react the way we do until we talk through things. The big thing here is BetterHelp is going to offer you someone who you can talk to with no strings attached, no agenda. It's just you and them, and they're listening to you completely. They don't have their own baggage. They're not someone in your life who maybe has their own sort of perspective on you. It's just someone who's there to listen to you talk about you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suitable to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your be- your potential with BetterHelp. Right now, go check them out. It's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. 
Today's show is also brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And now, with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we continue on here, rounding out your look at the coaching candidates listed out by one Adrian Wojnarowski, man's got the, t- the, the, the plugins and the man's got the sources. There seems like there's going to be more names added to the list as well. I uh, went through sort of my big three in the last segment. We'll run through some others. Kenny Atkinson, of course, on the list, the current Warriors assistant, former Nets head coach. And look, normally I'm not super into the idea of retreads. I think I'm encouraged to see the Raptors are casting a pretty wide net here and there's not a ton in the way of retreads. I know some folks are like, well, wait for Mike Budenholzer to get fired and hire him. Budenholzer's a great coach, but... I also think Bud is more a coach ready to kind of step into a team that's championship ready and has a lot of talent and is ready to just kind of hit go and hit the Jets. And I don't know if the Raptors are quite that just yet. He's a very good coach, good culture builder. They win a lot when Mike Budenholzer is your coach, but also, um, you know, he's had Giannis as his best player as well, which certainly helps. Um, We've seen the playoff you know, stubbornness. Of course, the Raptors got to get to the playoffs for that to be a problem, but I typically don't love retreads. The reason Atkinson's at least a little interesting to me is I don't think he's the typical type of retread who like flamed out spectacularly is looking for a redemption arc somewhere else. He seems like the type of retread who kind of was pushed out by the overall Brooklyn Nets-ness of the Brooklyn Nets and the KD Kyrie thing. And to me, you know, you look at his track record of building a culture with the Nets and this sort of, hey, man, we're like the cool, fun underdogs. Like, hey, that that could be something the Raptors could certainly use, kind of getting again back on that cohesive string, kind of playing for one another, all of that. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say. You, you know, obviously things didn't go very well. Do things become harder for Atkinson when there's bigger personalities involved? It's hard to say. He also was up for the Hornets job last year and then uh, rescinded after, I think, being offered it uh, or accepting it and then going back to the Warriors. Who knows if he would want to come uh, north of the border to be the Raptors coach. But Kenny Atkinson, I don't think would be like a bad hire. He's just probably not my first choice. Uh, Kevin Young, another one. Sons, 41-year-old uh, assistant coach, top assistant to Monty Williams down there with Phoenix. Uh, he was also part of that Arnovitz 2022 coaching prospects piece. Here is what Kevin Arnovitz had to say about Kevin Young, the assistant last year in his piece. If it's alignment you're looking for, Suns associate head coach Kevin Young is a natural fit. Both the Suns basketball ops crew and head coach Monty Williams regard Young as an essential hub to share ideas across the organization. It's a logical role for a young coach who excels at both listening and communicating. Young served as a head coach in the G League for six seasons, which made gave him a foundation as an organizer and a big picture thinker. He has earned the respect of players and his work ethic and candor. With his work ethic and candor, he was a finalist for the Washington job last spring where his sharpness impressed uh you know this one kind of almost feels like cut from the nick nurse cloth almost like uh you know from the g league has that sort of deep g league experience six seasons as a g league head coach like that to me is very interesting the thing that chris quinn doesn't have the thing that charles lee doesn't have is like tangible head coaching experience and to my point off the top 
not having head coaching experience can be a bit of a, a, a limiter, right? A, and, you know, we just, it's not even a limiter. It's just, uh, it, it adds a layer of unknown because it's a different role. Kevin Young was six years the head coach of the G League team down in Phoenix. Like, that is a long time to be in that position. You kind of know the difference between the assistant role and the head coach role very, very intimately when you've had that kind of experience. So that's intriguing. I think a pretty interesting name to watch as well. Kevin Young um, is on the list, of course. A couple others. I mentioned Jordy Fernandez. He was the Canton Charge head coach from 2014 to 16. He's the one that kind of draws influence um, per some of the reading I've done on, you know, Jordy. Fernandez from various corners of the internet uh, draws influence from coaches outside of basketball, Pep Guardiola among them, et cetera, et cetera. The other two that were mentioned, Darko Ryakovich, as I mentioned, uh, poached a couple times for different staffs, um, written up in that ESPN piece as kind of being a bit of a genius uh, and sort of a sort of a visionary in some ways. Here's the piece um, again, 2022, Kevin Arnovitz from ESPN. Quote, people all over the coaching world, as well as players who have benefited from his grasp of the game, rave about Darko Ryakovich. That makes a lot of sense when you consider he's been poached twice, Phoenix and Memphis, over the past couple years by incoming head coaches, assembling a staff from scratch. A European head coach has yet to break through with a sustained career in the NBA, but Ryakovich has the intellect and passion for the craft that makes him the current morning line favorite to become the first. The man has authored academic journal-style articles about the evolution of the pick and roll. By the way, that link is dead. I'm very sad I couldn't read that academic-style journal, journal article about pick-and-roll, um, but he's anything but academic in his warmth with players and fellow coaches. Sure, I mean, we'll probably get more insight from Memphis folks as we go forward here and all the other folks who have covered these various coaches as we get through more rounds of interviews, see who are the final contenders, but that's kind of a look right now at who's on the list. As I mentioned, Jerry Stackhouse not noted in this list. Woj said more assistants were being asked for permission and all this stuff, so maybe Stack's name comes up. Uh, Adrian Griffin was mentioned as also getting an interview. Of course, he's been retained, as it was reported by Chris Haynes last week. So I don't think we're anywhere near the end of this coaching search. Let's put it that way. I think this is going to be a, uh, a bit of a long haul, probably about a month, I would guess, until we get any sort of real resolution here. But we will keep you as informed as we can, get some folks on who have been around these people um, to, to sort of give us the insight as to what they might bring to the job if the Raptors do, in fact, go ahead and hire them. That's going to do it for today's episode of the show. Thank you so much for, for coming along. We'll get back. I know I mentioned yesterday we were supposed to do the Precious and Chris Boucher episode today to review their seasons. We'll push that to Monday. Hopefully Big V's around for that one. Uh, then Tuesday, big guest hoping to be on tap for Tuesday that I will uh, confirm in the Discord chat once that is all on the books. And uh, if you want to know what the big guest on Tuesday is going to be, Discord's the place to be. Go to the link in the description. Please do it. Also, subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff to your, uh, not just this Locked On podcast, but all your favorite Locked On podcasts, Locked On Leafs, Locked On Blue Jays, Locked On NBA, Locked On NHL. They're all there. Go check them out and support them. And uh, we will be back on Monday. Have yourself a wonderful weekend and uh, be good to each other. Have a, have a good one. Hopefully the Leafs don't blow it and I won't be sad on Monday when they've already inevitably blown it. All that. <laughs> Either way, love you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.